this December 7th through 9th. Check out the EdUp Experience podcast live and in person in Doha, Qatar for the World Innovation Summit on Education. We will be documenting the ideas and innovations from today's most influential global education leaders. Check them out at wise-qatar.org and follow the EdUp Experience podcast for more information. Yay! Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here with you again. When this episode comes out, you may have heard, you may have heard, if you are on social media at all or have any kind of contact with higher education, we feel like you may have come across the EdUp Experience at some point. But as you may know by now, uh, Elvin and I were invited as media partners to the World Innovation Summit on Education. Coming up in December, we will be going live to Doha, Qatar to help document the innovations and ideas from today's global education leaders. Yes, I said Doha, Qatar. I can't tell you how excited we are to be a part of the WISE conference uh, in Doha. Pretty crazy. I'll be coming from Southern California to Doha. I feel like that's a very long trip. Um, so I'm going to see if anybody else has taken a trip like that to find out how many hours that might be. It feels like it might be days compared to hours. But anyway, please don't forget to head to edupexperience.com and give us a review of your edup experience if you're a guest. If you are some uh, somebody who listens, we thank you and go give us a review. Tell us what you think, especially of Elvin's uh, editing and producing skills. Uh, you know, Keep me out of it, uh, out of the reviews, unless they're positive. If you're going to write a positive review for me, please do. But if it's negative, please please just uh, talk to Elvin about that stuff. But we, we're all good here. We love positivity. And I've got a very positive an amazing guest with me today, and she asked for specific um, uh, a specific introduction sound, which I'm going to give to her. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Summer McGee, Salem Academy and College President. Summer, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Did you like your party horn? That I, I loved it. It was exactly what I asked for. Yeah, I was going to go with uh, with a drum roll here. Summer McGee, everybody. Anyway. Um, you know, I get into this summer. I like to have fun. If you can't tell. It's great. I, I, I love it. The, the drum roll was a bit more uh, anticipation and, and, and build up, uh, but I, I like the party horn. We're here to have, right. a, have a good we're, time. We're going to keep trying different and, sounds for you to feel, see what sticks. Summer, um, so honored to have you with us today. Salem Academy and College. Let's just go uh, high level. Where are you? Where are you guys located? What do you do and how do you do it? So Salem Academy and College has been an, uh, an educational institution for girls and women for now 250 years. We are celebrating our founding in 1772 this year, and we have been an educational institution that has been focused on providing educational opportunities for the, the underserved, located here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I have lived for the last three months. Uh, a wonderful, one of the best college towns in America, I would say, uh, 
phenomenal place uh, with remarkable academic institutions. Uh, and ours is, is the oldest. And, and we are, are very fortunate to have the opportunity to educate uh, young women and girls uh, nine through 12 uh, in our academy. And then we offer both undergraduate as well as adult and graduate education uh, programs uh, for women. And, and at the graduate and, and adult level, we also are co-educational. So very proud of our, of our history and, and thrilled to be a part of, of such a remarkable institution that was founded to create more access for education uh, at a time, of course, when women were not a large part of our educational community uh, or certainly our workforce. Summer, I just, you know, I have to ask you um, how you manage all the different stakeholder perspectives. You know, when you're looking at an academy and a college all put together, you've got parents from the 9 through 12, the K, K through 12, or not K through 12, the 9 through 12. You've got a parents of, of students going into uh, higher ed, and then you have the adult students. So there's a lot of varying perspectives, a lot of stakeholder management, and I dare I say a lot of pressures Right. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on higher ed presidents and administrators to be like perfect to some degree and satisfy all the different different stakeholder perspectives. And you have a, definitely a spectrum of them. We absolutely do. And, and I think everyone in higher education now knows, of course, we, we deal with parents too, even in, for our, our, our adult students, but being able to try to meet the needs and, and expectations of students ranging, ranging from 13 years old all the way uh, up uh, to uh, and through uh, seniors who are joining us for our adult education program uh, really means you have to do a lot of listening, you have to do a lot of talking, and, and certainly as it relates to things like COVID-19 and vaccination policies and how do we continue to operate a campus and, and have guests and particularly as we're celebrating a, a momentous anniversary this year and, and want to bring large groups to our campus. Um, there's a lot of discussion about how do we meet students needs and expectations for everything from health and safety uh, to of course our curricular offerings and, and the things that, that we do in the, in the classroom. So uh, it, for me, it's all been about listening uh, and taking the feedback and and then trying to find ways to navigate it and meet the needs of as many of those groups as, as we possibly can while remaining true to our, our history and, and our mission. Uh, and so at a time of tremendous change uh, at our institution, um, that's often quite challenging. Uh, but I think the first step is, is just always listening and, and being able to build and create that narrative uh, that works uh, for, for the institution at that time. How do you, how's your time vary? Okay, so do you spend more time on the, the, the um, students, you know, coming up to become seniors and move on to college? Are you spending more of your time on the, on this, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, I'm sure this is the, the, the right answer is to everyone, but how does your time divided or how do you, you know, how do you take a policy and, and blanket that policy across all the different grade levels, if you will? How do you have to split your time? Because it seems like those jobs are very different, right? Getting students ready in high school to move on to college and then having students in higher education, there's a big difference. And how do you balance that? Yeah, so I think as every college president knows, no two days are alike. And so the balance is never the same um, one day for, from the next. But I, what I would say is that um, uh, I have made a commitment to really try to focus uh, as equally as possible as I can on both our academy and our college student populations. Our, our college is much larger than our academy. So it does tend to be the case that uh, those uh, issues and policies and concerns that come up with our college students tend to take a bit more, more time. 
time, uh, but really have worked to make sure that both of these institutions under this common um, umbrella of Salem Academy and college uh, are getting the same level of attention and focus and planning and, and resources that they need to, to be successful in their own very unique ways. And, and so it's a bit of a moving target and it certainly varies from day to day, but it's something that we're, we're really committed to, to making sure um, that all of our student populations are, are feeling supported and have the right resources and, and policies in place for, for them to, to thrive. Talk to me a little bit, Summer, um, about, you know, you taking on a presidency July, what, 1st of this year? That's right. The, so the, there must have been a thought process that goes into this, like coronavirus is still happening as much as we, you know, it's maybe settling down a tad, but it's still a major concern for folks. There's the vaccinations, un, you know, unvaccinated, vaccinated, you know, ki- you know kids, adult. This must have been a, a really intentional decision for you, but I'm, I'm sure it took a lot of thought taking on, and I've, I've asked so many presidents this that we've had on in the last year or two that have taken over a presidency and they're like, and they're like, I really had to think about it because there's so much to do to handle that three years ago, you didn't have to handle. So how do you work through that decision to go, okay, I got this, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm going to make it happen in this type of situation in the middle of a, or, or maybe at the tail end of a very disruptive pandemic. Well, I think for me, there were a couple of things that that made that decision a, a little bit easier. Um, before becoming a college president at my previous institution, uh, I had been the COVID-19 coordinator. And because of my PhD in public health and my background and expertise, and so I had the ability to impact and be involved in and work on every single aspect of my institution while I was still a dean of a, of a college of health sciences. And so- that by um, choice having- or by, for- by force or volunteer? or volunteered summer because you had the right background to be uh, I, I, you know I, I volunteered I, I really felt called I, you know you. it was having that background um, finally being able to put my PhD in public health to some really meaningful use um, was really quite wonderful and and so um, in the state of Connecticut every institution was required to have a COVID-19 coordinator and so uh, my, my president asked me to serve in this role and and I felt quite privileged to be able to build a team and and to really come up with the strategies and the policies for us to return and be fully in person and and so having had that experience not just being an academic dean but working with residents life and student affairs and marketing communication really gave me a taste of what it would be like uh, to really be involved and engaged uh, at every level across an institution. And so when Salem Academy and College came on my radar screen, it also was a a very uh, intriguing opportunity for me because of the college's plan to transform and to pivot and to focus on developing the next generation of health leaders. Okay, tell me about that. What, what and so that that, that, that was that that's been my my mission and and my focus on my career since it, it started. Uh, I had been building academic programs in health since my very first assistant professorship. Um, mm-hmm. I had founded a school of health sciences um, at the University of New Haven, and so had, had spent my entire career doing program uh, design and turnarounds. And so the opportunity to come to Salem and bring all of that experience to bear and to take a liberal arts institution with an incredible history and, and, and set of, of, of successes over 250 years 
and pivot it to uh, a completely new transformational focus in my area of expertise. Uh, it just was, uh, you know, I really felt a job that was tailor-made for me. And, and so really felt like this was something that I really was very much called to do. Uh, absolutely at a challenging time. Uh, but I joke, I, I tell folks that, you know, a, a few months ago, uh, maybe about six months ago, I was saying to folks, gosh, I am so ready to not be a COVID coordinator, to go back to being an academic dean uh, and really just focus on, on my work. Um, and neither of those things happened. Uh, yeah. I continue to, to lead and support our COVID-19 responses here at Salem and have had this incredible opportunity to become a college president. So, you know, the best laid plans, of course, never work out, but very, very pleased to be here um, and really felt called um, and, and feel so aligned with what Salem is doing right now. Amazing. That's amazing. That's my amazing <laughs> button. Uh, Summer, uh, it, weren't you tired? I mean, COVID coordinator, Absolutely. Like that was probably the single hardest job in any college and university for a, a period of time. Weren't you tired? Did you look at this and, you know, of course, you're not going to say this now, but I mean, did you look at this and go, okay, I, I've got to really be like refreshed, mentally prepared to take on this role. Was there a, and, and you know, the fascinating part about this and for higher education leadership is because we're in a, a really a time that none of us have ever experienced. Did you have to take a break in between COVID coordinator, college president and say, I'm going to hit a reset button. I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to unplug. Or did you just rock and roll from one to the next? Cause that says a lot about your goals and, you know, either way, I think it's amazing, right? We have a lot of folks that are like, I needed to take a break. I needed to reset before I took on something new. And then some folks just kind of roll right through it. What was your approach? Uh, so my approach was to rock and roll right through. Um, I uh, literally went from finishing up the role uh, on uh, June 30th at, at University of New Haven and starting the very next day at, at, at Salem. Uh, we're also in the midst of our uh, decennial reaffirmation process with SACS. And so that was underway literally the day I had a meeting with SACS, the day I walked onto campus. So it's accreditation um, it was, and waits for no one. Yeah, it was. Uh, and so, you know, it was the one piece of advice my mentors gave me that I didn't listen to. And there are certainly days when I think, yeah, that that month long break that I, I should have taken uh, really sounds nice right about now, but but felt so, so called um, to come to Salem. There was so much work we needed to do. Um, accreditations wait for no one. New academic programs wait for no one. Um, and we had a campus to to reopen. Um, Salem had been completely virtual for all of last year. And so I knew Knew that that luxury of having some some downtime in between those two roles um, was really something that was not in in Salem's best interest, and so buckled down and and got started July one. And uh, and like every new college president, I, it's been a wild ride for the last uh, hundred plus days, uh, but really really remarkable and and feel so fortunate to to be part of this community uh, and to celebrate and to be successfully reopened. We mandated vaccinations. And, and we have had um, uh, fewer cases than you could count on your two hands this academic year of COVID-19. So very, very proud of our students for uh, taking this seriously and, and, and really being safe and, and focused on campus health. So it's been, it's been great. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing 
head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash add up. I love your attitude. It's just like this, right? Let's get started. You know, you're just <laughs> all about it and running through because you're not taking on, let's be honest, you're not taking on an easy gig here. And, you know, when you look at the landscape of higher education, there's there's a lot um, of, you know, the river's kind of against you in a lot of ways. And I say you say in Academy and College, number one, there's increased competition. And this is for all a lot of uh, small liberal arts colleges. It's, you know, there's there's the liberal arts and there's a big question on its value in the higher ed ecosystem. Do you need a degree? Do you not need a degree? There's obviously increased competition for for students in general at every level. A lot more in digital marketing being spent. You know, the the uh, the power of the sale more in the buyer's hands than the seller. The supply and demand economics are, are fluctuating. There's um, non-credit education that's making a big time entrance into higher education and there's just a lot there's a lot there they're coming enrollment cliff and then to add on as a women's college you're really narrowing down your focus to helping women which is amazing but of course it takes out a part of the demographic that could be enrolled so it's a big time challenge uh, a growth challenge how do you approach this right you get there and you're so okay you're in your what third or fourth month and you're going what is my priority what is the priority summer how do you get through that and go, okay, this is what needs to be done for growth. How do you approach it? Yeah. So I think the first priority was getting our narrative straight, uh, being able to tell Salem's story in a compelling way. Um, and that is something that uh, we have spent a, a lot of time and, and, and effort on. We've, we've engaged with partners um, because telling that story is important for enrollment management and it's important for our alumni base and our advancement office. Um, being able to really tell, especially for an institution that is undertaking uh, a major curricular shift and a pivot, um, being able to explain and tell our story and how we still are committed to the liberal arts and will still be a liberal arts college, but reframing that as a liberal arts institution grounded uh, and focused on the liberal arts um, and liberal arts for leadership development. And so having the time and the opportunity to talk to the faculty, to get to know the campus and, and to know how firmly held their commitment was to the liberal arts was really important. And then finding a way, as you said, to translate that into something that really conveys value and meaning um, to prospective students um, while remaining true to the values that our, our alumni uh, and others hold so dear. So, so a lot of conversations, a lot of honing that narrative about who we are as an institution today and who we are planning to become in the future so that everybody uh, here at Salem is all singing from the same hymnal. That was really my, my number one priority besides getting the campus reopened, uh, which was, you know, certainly- Which is a little uh, task. I mean, the, you the know, that's, that's like a tiny task. Yeah, right? yeah, big, yeah. big deal. Opening a campus, big deal. I mean, gosh, uh, you, you know, so, so you've got this set of challenges. I want to unpack some of that um, in just a second, but I do have, we, I do like to keep my guest on their toes here, Summer. Um, so I have a question unrelated to higher education. I'm going to give you two choices on how to answer it. You ready? Sure. 
Summer for one million, actually zero dollars. Summer. Um, let's find out a little bit about you. You've got. You can choose one. You can answer both. It's up to you. Summer, there's a song playing. It's your entrance music. Every time you walk into a room at Salem Academy in college, what song would be playing? Or tell us about your dream vacation. Oh wow, um, those those are both great. Um, I think the I think the vacation that I have been been dreaming of, um, and certainly even more so over the last couple of months, is um, to go to the Maldives and one of those overwater huts where oh there's gosh. no cell phone signal and no one can find me, and I'll just sit and stare at the water uh, and be able to swim. Uh, and uh, when I moved to, to Winston Salem, we we left the coast of Connecticut, and I'm really missing that water these days. So we're love to go to a very remote place, stare at the water, uh, no texts, no calls, uh, and just uh, reflect. I think it's that it's that break I didn't get uh, in transitioning yeah. into my new presidency uh, that I would love to love to have happen. And, and, and really, like, like you flying to Doha, the deterrent has been for me to get to the Maldives. You spend a whole day getting there and a whole oh day God, getting yeah. back and the time change. So um, one of these days, I will uh, find my way to those overwater huts and, and have that that experience i'm, I'm really do it like with two days on each side just for travel <laughs> yeah. right you gotta take two days to get there two days to get back the five days you want or seven days you want in between but it's like a two to three week long vacation you add in the time change i'm yeah, that's my nervousness about going to doha i'm like what am i gonna be like when i get there because I, you know, I have I, have i slept on the plane am i just taking ambien dropping ambien like it's crazy and i'm gonna be you know, walking in as a zombie here. I mean, you know, uh, it's so, but Maldives, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, we're going to grant access you granted. access granted to the Maldives for summer. Um, we need to get her out there. So we're, maybe we'll crowdsource uh, your trip or something and get you really interested in it by getting you lots of feedback on Maldives. That's cool. Oh, give me the entrance music, Justin, if you can, if you have a song at the top of your mind, Summer, what, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's... Uh... Uh, I think it's don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Fleetwood Mac. I think that's, nice. I think that's the entrance music. Yeah. Love it. I, and I, I love presidents to come on and talk about that. Cause there's been a couple instances when they get back to campus and it's playing. And, it, and it's so, you know, pick a guy, I would say pick a good zone. Cause you never know. Um, but that's great. So unpack for me, the curricular shift, you know, you're talking about, first of all, let's just um, recognize how ridiculous 250 years is. All right. So, I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And in higher ed years, I guess that has to be the standard unless you're like, uh, I don't know what the oldest one in the U S is, but 250 years seems there. Um, and, and so that's ridiculous. But at the same time, you're talking about a major curricular shift. What is that? What does that mean? Because we have a lot of people that talk about innovation, uh, you know, updates to curriculum for the future, future proofing, uh, you know, getting ready for the 21st century skills. Talk to me about what that means when you come on to Salem, this giant curricular shift you're talking about. Yeah, so um, as the uh, country's oldest educational institution for girls and women, um, this is a very ambitious uh, move that, that Salem College is, is making. And so what we are doing is really doing a complete transformation, not just of our curriculum, but also of our student experience. And so infusing health and opportunities to learn about health and wellness, uh, incorporating wellness as a part, a component of our leadership development curriculum. It, it's 
it's my firmly held belief that you can't be a successful leader if you're not well across all eight of our dimensions of, of, of wellness, whether that's financial or, or mental health or um, uh, organizationally. And so really taking a, a look at every single aspect of our incredibly beautiful and historic campus and how do we make our, our student experience focus on health and wellness and developing leaders. And so, uh, of course, we're working on changing our core curriculum. We're looking at a four-year leadership development seminar where, stu where students will learn um, competencies and develop competencies in, in, in leadership, uh, but also understanding the unique aspects of what it means to lead in a health-related environment. For example, one of our most uh, talked about themes and competencies uh, is teamwork because teamwork is absolutely critical um, in the health space. And so, um, you know, leadership is just not about knowing your own individual leadership style and, and how to motivate people. Um, it's also about how to be a member of a group and part of a team. And so really looking at how do we develop the competency of, of teamwork, being able to be in a team and lead a team uh, throughout and across our curriculum. And so those are the conversations we're having with our faculty and our staff right now. Um, of course, we've added a number of health-related majors. We added four last year before I arrived. Uh, we created 64 new courses over the summer with, with small faculty development grants. Um, and we laid out a goal that more than 50% of our entire curriculum, all of our coursework, would be focused on health-related topics and leadership development for health by the end of this academic year. So it is really a whole cloth set of, of innovations um, and curricular and experiential uh, learning changes that, that we are doing um, at a very quick pace. And, and so um, I was have been so, so pleased and impressed that when I got here, um, the faculty were ready for change, the staff were ready for change, uh, and wanted to develop a, a very concrete implementation plan. And that's what we're putting the final touches on now, uh, a three year roadmap to change every single aspect of our students life uh, and experience with us from academics to residence life. Uh, internships, uh, capstone projects, everything. So um, it's been it's been a tremendously exciting project to, to work on. Uh, very ambitious, uh, very innovative, uh, but still being true to the liberal arts, and that's the secret sauce. Um, and using the liberal arts as an opportunity for leadership development. I love it. Here's your your dropping bombs. I love what you said, Summer. Um, that's the bomb drop because you're, you're talking, first of all, doubling down on health related careers is, I, I think it's a, a smart, amazing move because we are seeing the value of those careers now and how critical they're going to be in the future. Shortages are clear um, in, in so many health related careers. The, the, the uh, let's say emergence and acceptance of mental health is a key component in our lives and something that we communicate and don't hide, right? Because it used to be like you hide your, your, when you have, you know, you need time away for something you would never tell anybody because it was, you know, shunned or looked down upon. Now it's like, okay, this is real. Um, and, and that we're these generations of, of people are continuing to get older. There's advancements in technology that we have to be ready for when it comes to health. And so that's a really smart move in terms of, I think it's it's a recruiting and retention and graduation outcomes and, and jobs. It's just the whole pipeline. And then to your point about leadership and that what does leadership really mean in the 21st century and how is liberal arts obsolete or is it even more important than it's ever been because you will learn about teamwork and 
dialogue and being able to work together in a you know collaboration that that's what a liberal arts education in my mind is really about it's about the human skills and it's the human skills that seem to be lacking for a lot of folks in the work uh, in the workforce and we hear that a lot from business and industry they, they need to know how to work together that's a uh, it's great to hear that's a foundational component for you summer and that you're doubling down on it and are students seeing the importance yet or is this are they in transition and faculty in transition to get to that point are they already on board with going yes we've got to get teamwork to, to ramp up here you know i think i think our faculty and staff really really are on on board i think for our students of course who came to salem before this transformation was underway uh for them they're they're exploring this and and imagining how this may may impact them in, in the future but part of the reason why salem decided to pivot was already 43 percent of of our uh, students on our campus were pursuing stem and health related fields and so this was already a passion this was already a focus of our existing student body and so to really have have an opportunity for them to to do a much deeper dive but still be able to pursue their passions in the arts and to still be able to focus on um, other aspects of themselves as a whole person uh, and so that's why we are, are firmly committed to still offering uh, a range of liberal arts majors um, uh, even for our pre-professional students and and that's I think another distinction is you know commonly folks will say oh so you're you're adding a bunch of clinical programs we're we're not we're actually adding those um, administrative and and support professions and other types of programs, strongly preparing our students for pre-professional and clinical programs, medical school, dental school, vet school, um, all of those pathways as well. Um, but really acknowledging that how healthcare has changed is, is there are so many new professions and careers. Uh, those folks who make the clinical trials for COVID vaccines happen. We desperately need those mm -hmm. kinds of professionals, not just the PhD level scientists in the lab. And so um, there's such a spectrum across the, the health uh, professions that we need to fill uh, with more women, uh, with a greater diversity. Uh, and that's what I think as a, as a historically women-serving institution, we are creating those opportunities for leadership, uh, for, for women, for non-binary individuals, for students of color um, in a very, very significant way. And that's where we see our industry partners really reaching out to us in a major way because we are training a generation of, of leaders that, that they are really, really looking for and trying to address their own disparities and gaps uh, that they have across across the health leadership disciplines. Talk a little bit about the pipeline to the to Salem Ecology of Salem Academy. So is it is it just kind of understood that if you're at Salem Academy you're moving on to Salem College do you see, is that pipeline a, a real one for you that you see um, that you see persistence from uh, from the high school uh, completion through to Salem College do they go elsewhere you know, how does that work and look for you all uh, at Salem College? Yeah, so that actually really surprised me when I arrived at Salem and found that the academy is not a major pipeline uh, for, for the college. Our academy graduates go on to um, music conservatories. They go on to Duke and UNC and Appalachian State and, and all throughout the Southeast. And, and so a very small percentage of academy students stay with us at the college. And that's actually something we're looking at. Uh, potentially shifting um, and creating accelerated pathways for students to, because our academy students do take college courses in their yeah. junior and senior year. And so to create a, an accelerated 
undergraduate degree completion pathway, uh, particularly now that our academy students are focused on STEAM. Um, there's sort of a natural alignment between the STEAM focus and our health-related focus for students to be able to continue on, uh, do an accelerated undergraduate degree, and then go on to the professional school of their choice. So that's a new initiative that we're looking to start up uh, here in the next year or so to create more of those pathways and to a more accelerated option, uh, particularly for high-achieving students who know they're going to go on to medical school and spend eight more years on their education. Uh, why not accelerate that that high school and undergraduate experience and and then be ready to move on to professional school? Yeah, I love that you have the kind of a little bit of a blank canvas there, you know, because yeah. you just wonder what can you do? How, how do you create an accelerated program, you, you know, credit to, towards your master's degree to reduce cost and create affordability. Uh, I'm sorry, you, you know, so from your uh, undergraduate degree, even into the master's degree arena, you know, how do you create that entire pipeline? And, and for you, for you all to have those students who are at Salem Academy, yo, yes, I want to attend Salem College. It's such a unique opportunity uh, and glad to hear that you're focusing on it because that's cool, right? I think there's yeah. so many of us that would wish that we could we could um, mold that that uh, student and pipeline to see the benefit of continuing on, right? Um, so that's cool. I love it. And uh, I hope it goes well for you all at Salem Academy and College. We have two final questions for you, Summer. We ask every single guest. Uh, number one, what did we miss about Salem Academy and college? What did we miss? What did I miss? Something I didn't ask you, something you want to say, initiative you have going on, uh, plug, plug, plug away if you'd like. And then number two, what does the future of higher education look like? Yeah, so first off, I think one thing I didn't get a chance to talk about uh, much today is, is the real importance and value of historically women serving institutions. And so this is the first historically women serving institution that I have had uh, the fortunate uh, ability to be part of. And I just have been so impressed with how um, completely committed and focused on social mobility or uh, how we, well we serve our Pell eligible students, what the incredible diversity and breadth of, of students that come to a historically women serving institution. Um, and as you know, our numbers have been dwindling. Uh, and I think that it, it, it's something that we really should be talking about a lot more that just like our, our peer institutions, the HCBUs and others, you know, I, I think that, um, and, and minority serving institutions, I think um, we serve a very unique role in the higher education ecosystem, uh, along with historically black colleges and universities and minority serving institutions and others. And I think that that Salem as as the oldest educational institution for women and girls um, is really looking to lead that charge with our other uh, historically women's serving institution peers um, to really put a spotlight on that we um, create leadership opportunities uh, for for women uh, and other individuals like unlike any others and have the outcomes to show it. So very, very proud to be part of an institution with an amazing history, really phenomenal outcomes uh, for a, quite a diversity of students. Uh, more than 50% of our students are students of color. And so we are incredibly proud and have an opportunity to be a place um, focused on social mobility. Uh, we're now ranked fourth in social mobility in US News and World Report. And I think that's something that often gets uh, overlooked and isn't thought about, about women serving institutions. So that's one thing uh, I would certainly share. Um, and, and I think we need to think about how we preserve the unique identity uh, of these incredibly important uh, institutions as, as we go forward. Um, I think the future of higher education 
education, what I would say is um, it is uh, a, about uh, finding your niche, um, no longer being everything to everyone. Uh, I think it is so important. And what I have been so excited about here at Salem is that we are planting our flag. We have determined how we're going to be distinctive and we're going to pursue that doggedly uh, and to continue to, to have broad appeal to a wide range of students, but to have a very unique and specific identity. And I think particularly for small liberal arts colleges, um, we have to find ways to differentiate. And that also means stopping doing some of the things that we historically have done um, and really being very disciplined and being focused. And so um, I think that's one of the things I see for the future of small uh, private liberal arts institutions, um, as well as, as uh, for other institutions around the country. Um, I think we all have to find our own unique identities here in the city of Winston-Salem, we have five different academic institutions, each with their own unique academic um, and student identities. And we all exist together in this ecosystem in a really remarkable way. And I think that that really speaks to, I think, where we have to go in higher education, which is um, to, to find learners wherever they are, um, but also to be able to um, really be able to tell a clear story and a narrative about who we are um, as an institution and to really transform um, and to focus uh, in a really meaningful way. And, and so I think we're, I think we're going to see more of that um, across um, the small private liberal arts institution space. But we also, all of us, um, whether we're large or small, have to continue to meet and find those learners and those students wherever they are and to provide access uh, and, and educational support and resources um, to meet them wherever they are on their educational journey. And so that goes back to the very beginning of this conversation of all the different stakeholders that we are trying to serve and to meet. Um, and I think the institutions that master that across a whole range of lifelong learners uh, will be those who are successful. Wow. Wow. Love that. Uh, love, love all of that, what you said, in particular, the, the piece about uh, just the the speed and intentionality that Salem is moving forward with, knowing that change is a part of sustainability, and you know to to press forward, there have to be some systemic changes within an institution, financial models, curriculum updates. You know, really a vision. We talked to so many institutions that they know that they're going to be having these problems or are having them without the clarity of vision. I think to move forward. So it's it's really refreshing to hear how direct uh, and focused you're able to communicate uh, summer about what the future looks like and and I appreciate that here at the Edip experience I hope you had a good time in the podcast I do want to say just very quickly as I have this this up um, Salem uh, college is the 13th oldest college in the US and the oldest college for women in uh, in the nation that's so that even the correct. 13th oldest it's insane right um, it is it's just so you know the student to faculty ratio of 12 to 1 and then something that i found really interesting is that um that women who attend women's colleges are twice as likely as their peers in co-ed institutions to pursue careers in advanced degrees in the sciences so uh, that's i think a great stat talks about the value of a women's education we obviously need more women leaders, um, particularly in higher, uh, I don't want to say particularly, but definitely in higher education too. Uh, if you can uh, get a couple interested, we, we do find that there are a lot more men than women in higher ed. Certainly, I think that's the case in, in most science careers. So it's great to see that pipeline being um, 
being filled by uh, Salem College and others like you. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on, Summer. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, I am going to um, outro you here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Summer McGee, president of Salem Academy and College here on the Edup Experience podcast. Everybody, you've just edupped. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your audience? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience responds to? Are you spending more time building reports than listening in on what your audience wants? These are not easy questions to answer. That's why our great friends at MDT Marketing are offering a free audit of your marketing efforts. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and submit your information for your free consultation today. Look, guys, you got nothing to lose. It's free. I don't know why you wouldn't want a free audit to tell you what you're doing, whether it's effective, and how you can make some incremental changes that can make a big difference moving forward. That's www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup.